It's the Lowdown. Now with more Cowbell on Sports 1440. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. Plus, get up to four grand in Christmas cash. Nice. Wolf GMC Buick. It's a little after one o'clock. It seems as though we've timed out. It happens from time to time. Time for Bruce McCurdy at the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. We will tell you that Christmas has arrived at United Sport and Cycle. Need something for an athlete or sports fan on your list? United has been Santa's workshop for over 95 years. Many of those, our friend Bruce McCurdy has been watching sports. Bruce joins us now from the Cult of Hockey. Let me ask you this. I, I have a project for you. Are you up to it, sir? Uh, no, when you ask me what it is. Okay, that's a cautious, learned response to a question. <laughs> so I've been trying to come up with a word, a single word or a short phrase to describe Connor McDavid. And I've chosen transcendent, and I use it quite often. But even that word is somehow not quite enough. So in the next seven days, if I asked you to come up with a McDavid word that was unique and not used normally among media to describe him, would you take at that task? Uh, well, I'd say in seven seconds, mercurial, but uh, uh, you have to actually watch mercury in action. I mean, that word is maybe overused, but he fits it. It's his, his speed and... and Ability to change direction uh, is so incredible uh, at top speed. Uh, it's uh, it can be breathtaking. He, he he, you know the pass he made to Nuge, the pass he made to Hyman, and then he does this thing where you go, "If only I could get rid of that guy checking me." And then he does. He darts one way, and then he turns his back, and he's gone. And it's it's like a like you see it in basketball a lot, but but mm-hmm. on the ice, it's like it's hard to do, and it's really hard to defend and. And he's like, I don't know how his knees do that. Yeah, or he steals the puck off the guy first, and then <laughs> does those other things you described. Where he, you know, he's because he's he's fantastic in like puck battles and board battles. Uh, he wins. It seems like to me a large majority of those where he comes away with the puck or the other dude. You know, it's it's uh, amazing to watch. He's a very strong player and. and uh, uh, not afraid to dish it out from time to time. He's becoming more progressively uh, physical as his career advanced. Yeah, it's it's true. Um, thoughts on Connor Bedard? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, he gave us a quick demonstration of uh, what he's about in that uh, uh, in that play where he got behind the defense and there was a great pass up from young Alex Blasic um, who had a fine game I thought and uh, he went in he got behind uh, Bush but Ekholm came over and he just tucked the puck right inside uh, 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 what some people call the attack triangle of, of uh, Ekholm which is sort of the triangle between his feet skates and his uh, stick he got the puck inside of that. A lot of players don't really like to go there. They get beat when they get in there, but he's so fast. He got the puck in there. He changed the angle and just snapped it. Really inside the post. I mean, 
you are asking who is he comparable to, I mean, I'm thinking of a young Mike, Mike Bossy, mm. who was not a first overall pick. But, man, could he ever fire that pill. And uh, <laughs> very, very accurate and great release and, uh, you know, pretty tricky. And he's also got this stuff that he's done three times now where he, or he steals a puck by basically uh, let, almost laying the stick down but using the very very heel of the stick, what I call the hosel, where it joins with the shaft, to not only check the guy but actually chip the puck back towards himself. And when he succeeds at that, the other guy might as well go and buy popcorn because he's gone and out of the play. <laughs> but Ari's going to do something. And he tried that last night in Bush. I think it was Bush that stopped him. Uh, but just the attempt, just the audacity. I remember watching 17-year-old Wayne Gretzky, and it was the audacity of some of the things he tried that didn't work. And he said, geez, I'm just amazed he's thinking like that. Uh, when he gets a little stronger, he might be able to make that cut that he, that impossible cut that he tried. And uh, sure enough, anyway, uh, not saying Bedard is Gretzky or any of these guys, but of the, of the uh, greats that I remember breaking into the league. Uh, that sniper, Mike Bossy, who scored 52 as a rookie, was, uh, and just kept doing it, was, uh, uh, I think that's, uh, that's a nice taunt, at least to start with for me. Bruce McCurdy, our guest from the Cult of Hockey, using an old-timey word, hosel, and I know that there'll be several people on the way to Urban Dictionary and come up with some horrible, horrible meaning for it, but <laughs> until then... It's a golf term. Sure. It's a hosel of a golf club. Bruce, I've been there. I, I know the terms mean one thing, but as soon as you <laughs> say them, they're going to go and make it into something else on us. That's the way it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 11-3-0, after whatever it was, 2 9 and one um, if, 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 if I didn't see it, I would not have believed it. This, this is like the tale of two teams and coaches and luck avenues and everything. And yet we did see it and they're all the same people on both teams. What, what, a, what an incredible year we've seen already. Yeah. Well, when they were like, Two, two, nine, and one at uh, decision time on, on Woodcock. Let's remember, he won his last game. And, uh, there were signs in that game, a really nice win at Seattle, that they were uh, uh, getting together a little bit. But then a uh, uh, new coach had a three-game losing streak, and they gave him 17 goals, right, in, uh, in Tampa, Florida, and Carolina. Uh, three empty netters, mind you, at 17 goals in three straight games. Well, the other 10 games he's coached, they've also given him 17 goals total. Uh, and that's pretty good. <laughs> so w- when we look at this team now, Bruce, one of the things that, that I think that, that Coach Knobloch will have had a chance to do is we're kind of evaluate this team and he's you know he's using it in a particular way the six defensemen stay the six defensemen uh, he's got something uh, close to a rotation that's working for the goaltenders uh, he did give Skinner a game off and Skinner wasn't busy but he did play well there was a flip last night where Leon Dreisaitl took over Ryan McLeod's line mates um your thoughts on that and i know that scotty bowman used to do that all the time where if he didn't feel like there was somebody running hard he would just replace them in the middle of the game are are we at a point now where we're about to see knoblock do more of that or do you think he's pretty close to having the lineup he wants and he's just trying to jumpstart a few players and that's a way to do it well the one thing you don't want to do is mess with the first line at all 
because they're absolutely crushing it. They're crushing every opponent that they play. So to say, well, we need Nuge down with Leon and fix Leon's spot. Well, no, we don't. Uh, Oilers won the last eight games in a row. So even with whatever deficiencies you might think they have, they're doing all right. Uh, don't mess with that first line. Uh, I would say don't mess with that fourth line. I'm loving it. Uh, uh, my colleague David Staples calls them the three wise men. And, uh, and Hamlin being a younger version of Derek Bryan. But anyways, it's, uh, uh, I'm enjoying them. Uh, uh, but flipping the second and third lines and maybe uh, Fogel for Brown, for instance, uh, would be a change that... Uh, that makes sense. Like Brown and Yanmark flanking uh, 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 Brian McLeod, that would be the closest thing to the, the zero line since the zero line out in Anaheim. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Remember those guys? Sammy Paulson and Travis Moan. Guys, he's a third guy. Anyways. Do you, do you think um, when Dylan Holloway comes back, is it is it possible he goes to Bakersfield? Because... I, I don't know. I, I mean, you could send down, you know, a player, but I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get in the lineup. Wh- who would you take out? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Well, I, I guess. I mean, the odd man out already is clearly Adam Ernie. He hasn't played for a while. Uh, he's the 13th forward, and the thing is, they're close enough on the cap that I'm not. I have to dig in and see where. Holloway's falls, but if salary comes in, that's a little bit too much. I have to send two guys out to make room for it. I know that would be the case with Jack Campbell, which is one of the reasons I'm sure they're reluctant to uh, do anything too quickly. Uh, one of several reasons. But uh, Otherwise, I mean, a week in the AHL wouldn't probably hurt him. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hurt in the first game like he did last year, I guess. But, you know, there's no. That's just totally random. Bruce McCurdy, our guest, calls the hockey at the Edmonton Journal. Um, how many how many goalies in this organization would you start in an NHL game ahead of Jack Campbell right now? Uh, well, I think three. Yeah. And uh, if uh, I mean Pickard, I mean, he, he passed the big test here. He passed a big test here the other day, and uh, uh, I just got, I'm sitting on a park bench in beautiful Oakmont, partway through my walk, talking to you, expecting no, uh, and I had a passerby with an aggressive dog. <laughs> <laughs> now, back to Olivier Rodrigue, still on task here. Uh, I, what is he now, 23 years old? Mm-hmm. How old was Andy Moe when they called him up? He was, you know, yep. uh, they've given this guy, he's in his fourth fourth year. He's where Steve Skinner was two years ago when Skinner got uh, 13 games with the Oilers. Uh, and it, all he's been doing is stopping pucks. He had a great finish the last season. He had a great, you know, every game, like 930, 950. Uh, and it seems like uh, uh, he keeps being the odd man out because, you know, they got a Jack Campbell game as well. Give the prospects some games, or maybe even give him a game up here in Edmonton. See how he does. So, are you are you by the rink? I am. Okay, I know exactly where you are. I love that spot. It's one of my favorite spots. Mm-hmm. There you go. Soccer field in front of it, from where I'm sitting at the 
sound sound of it. Some, if you sit there long enough, a bunch of dogs will come by and say hi to you. Yeah, one just did. Yeah. I know, but you, it, see, it seemed like you were having trouble with him. It, it was. <laughs> <laughs> His owner was, and slippery out here, so she was kind of getting skid in the lawn. So. Okay. Well, I'll, if you stay there long enough, I'll send Ziggy to say hi to you. How's that? Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, it's normally pretty quiet here, especially at this time of day when you're out here, you're, you're at work. So, you know, no loud noises. You know. <laughs> McCurdy, thank you. Have a good one. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. Have a great week. You too, sir. That's Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Eminent Journal. And I we, we had people comment about the the um, the reception on his phone while he was he was walking. So that's what what happened there. Well, I, mean, I feel I, I feel bad because before he got on, he asked me, "Do I sound okay?" And I said, "Yeah, you sound great." And I thought he did, so I might have to take this one on the chin. Well, Lansky had somebody complaining about his sound too. So, um, you know, I. I mean, I I don't know. Are you? Are, I mean, I I know Lansky's phone was bought in 1968. Maybe something to do there. I don't know what time Bruce's uh, phone. It is a cell phone, and he does take great photos on it. But I love the way the fourth line is playing. But you can see that as a playoff fourth line against a team like Vegas, they're so small from Stu. Well, that's they have. Okay, I said this on my blog today about Lavoie, and I said, you know, they should call him up and play him. And they said, where? And I said, well, you know, they've got, I know everybody loves the fourth line, and I get it, I do, but they are all undersized guys, and they're they're really good on the forecheck and stuff like that, but if you were playing Raphael Lavoie now, and playing Dylan Holloway now, and playing Broberg now, and you don't have to play all three of them, but you, you know, play one of them, you're developing players, and then by springtime, if you play them in October and November, by the time the spring comes, they can help you. I'm going to give you an example. Do we have anybody at 120? We do not. I am not going to tell you. Anyway. I am going to tell you a story next about why Holloway, Broberg, and Lavoie could be very important to this team. It's a great story. You'll love it, probably. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Brought to you by. Wolf GMC Buick. It's Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger, hanging around until 2 o'clock today. Have you ever heard the original by the Isley Brothers? I have, yeah. yeah. I debated playing that one instead, but wow. I went with the Beatles. Yeah. You and your, your musical knowledge. Sir. Well, I was going to play Shout by the Isley Brothers at first, and then I didn't like the version. Yeah, I didn't like the version they had, so I was going to play Twist and Shout by them, and then I decided on the Beatles. So, long road, but we got there. Yeah. Favorite early Beatles song for me is called There's a Place. Have you ever heard that? I've probably heard it at some point, but I don't think I could pinpoint it right now. Well, maybe it's something you can <laughs> look you can, into. Well, you know, when you have time. I promised you a story. And it's about young players and why they're important. Okay? And and it's not not the regular season that matters. It's the playoffs. So, in the spring of 1971, my childhood ended. And it ended because Frank Mahovlich got traded to the Montreal Canadiens. And he was brilliant in the playoffs. Scored 14 goals in 20 games. And the Big M was just brilliant. He really, truly was. And they beat my Bruins. 
Jean Beliveau broke my heart for the second time in three years, and that was the end of my childhood. I just become a miserable old man from that day on. But it wasn't just about Frank Mahovlich. During the spring of that year, it was the final year for Jean Beliveau and John Ferguson. They'd been teammates since, I think, 64. And Beliveau had been purchased, well, they actually purchased the entire Quebec Aces team. I think it was the Quebec Aces. Uh, to get Beliveau to Montreal. And he'd been brilliant for 15 years or however long it was. But Beliveau and Ferguson were in their final year. And Beliveau was still very good. He had 22 points that year in 20 games. But John Ferguson was not John Ferguson anymore. And they were having trouble with his line. It wasn't going well. Henri Richard was benched. He said Al McNeil couldn't coach, even though Al McNeil was the coach, and they did win the Stanley Cup. And there was some trouble. And so the Habs, McNeil, they they deployed a young winger named Rajon Hull. And Hull was like, I mean, I think he was 21. Maybe he was 20. And Rajon Hull played on the Ferguson line, and he he played brilliantly. Just a kid. Just a kid. And after the Stanley Cup, Ferguson said publicly, you can go look at it, it's in the Montreal Gazette, I've seen it on microfiche, because I'm a nerd. He said, that kid saved me. That kid saved me and my line. And that was Rajon Houle. And he was not a big factor. He scored 19 points in 66 games during the regular season. Montreal had all kinds of firepower that was more than that. Beliveau, Cornway, Pete Mahovlich, Lemaire, Mark Tardif, Henri Richard, Frank Mahovlich, Mickey Redmond, John Ferguson, Claude LaRose, Phil Roberto all scored more than he did. But Rajan Hull was key to Montreal's Stanley Cup victory. Now, I'm not saying Dylan Holloway will be that. I'm not saying Philip Broberg will that be that. I'm not saying Raphael Lavoie will be that. Or Olivier Rodrigue. I'm saying that if you play players, young players, during the regular season, just let them develop, let, let them get comfortable in the league and let the game slow down for them. It's like having an extra acquisition when you get to springtime and John Ferguson isn't playing well. And I know you think that Matthias Nyanmark and Derek Ryan and Sam Gagne and all of the older players on this team are going to be brilliant all year long, but that's not how life works. There are injuries, there are difficulties along the way, and what you're doing, and Ken Holland understands this, I bet that if they get a little bit of cushion, they'll bring up some players and they'll play Holloway and Broberg again, and maybe even Lavoie and Rodrigue. But those are important players, even though they're not here right now. And Ben Gleason is important. Noel Hafenmeyer is important. They're all important. But the young players who don't have NHL experience, those six games that Raphael Lavoie got are important. Because next time he comes up, he's not going to be overwhelmed as much. He's not going to be intimidated as much. And he's going to play his game more. And I know online and people are saying, well, he's got nothing. He's no good. But, you know, that's not true. I don't know if he's going to be an NHL player. But neither does the guy online who's saying he's never going to be an NHL player. It's, it's, not, it's not cast in stone that these guys make it or don't make it. You know, when the Edmonton Oilers traded Kyle Brodziak, they were convinced Mark Pouliot was going to be the guy. Well, Kyle Brodziak was the guy, but not in Edmonton. 
those are important decisions that organizations make. And one of them is playing defense right now for the Arizona Coyotes. His name is Mike Kesselring. So that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Boy, you sure get these podcast hours up quickly. Holy. Well, it's a little slower now. I used to get them up even quicker, but the thing is when we're recording McCurdy there, I don't have the time to edit the previous hour, so I have to wait and do it during the break. So it takes a little longer, but we get them out there. Well, we don't really record McCurdy, do we? Oh, we do. We absolutely do. We record them, and we we post them individually. All guests. Hey, Low Tide, didn't Rajan Hul also trade in Batman? I don't know what that means. I think his name was Raja Ghoul in Batman. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, there it's you go. It's a funny one. I thought you became a man after that topless woman walking down the street. <laughs> I became bewildered that day. That would have been... Uh, that might have been the same year. Pogliarvi's value for his contract was better than Connor Brown is. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, again, but Connor Brown is another example of you've got to play him. You have to play him. You've invested in him. I, I like I don't fault Ken Holland or, or any of the coaching staff for playing him because you you need him to play. You need him to get the minutes. He's coming along. I know nobody wants to hear that, but he is. He's getting chances. He's shooting the puck too much, but that's okay. I'd rather have him do that than than be shy about it. He needs a goal, and then he needs another one. And if he ends up with 10 at the end of the year, you'll be thrilled. I mean, he, he, I guarantee he'd like to sign a contract in the summer with the Edmonton Oilers. So he's going to have to show some things. Opportunity is what all hockey players crave that don't have it. League doesn't matter. Well, when you're young, like Lavoie is, you have to play, and that's why he's better off, and Broberg, too, in the farm. If they're not going to play him here... Then play him down there. Al Lavoie is not ready for the NHL. Well, I disagree. If he's ever going to make the Oilers, he needs to be better defensively and physically. Being big isn't enough. I've seen him be very, very like bullish in the AHL. He's got the game. He has to bring the game. I, I think people have, you know, and I hate to say, you know, watch the games because I think that's a, just a vile thing to say to anybody. You can tell a lot from statistics. I, I, I just really think that this is a guy who can play in the NHL. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's too slow. But Lavoie brings a lot. He's a, he's, a, he's a first shot scorer and a volume shooter. Those are really good things. And I, I think he's going to get an NHL chance, and I hope it's in Edmonton. Because I think he's, you know, he's earned it. Now, he he earned a call-up, he earned a recall, and he did not score, and he looked not quite there yet. So, there you go. Could have also referenced the kid line in 1990 LT, but they didn't all play, I don't think, all year, did they? Wasn't there an acquisition midseason? 
all three played some time in the regular season were an important line in the playoffs. That is true. I always think of them as four because I include Mark Lamb in that group. Low Tide, what moves do you think the Oilers will make before the deadline, or is it too early to tell? Uh, I wrote about that in the, the Athletic today about because I wanted to know if they wanted to make another trade, like a big one, like a Matthias Ekholm trade, could they do it? The answer is yes. If they traded the 2024 first-round pick, Dylan Holloway and Philip Broberg, and then whatever money was required to make things equal, I think they could get a hell of a get. Who is it? Is it a goalie? Is it a right defenseman? Is it a first-shot scorer for the second line? I don't know. Maybe it's another center. One thing I will say about Ken Holland, there's there's one thing we know. He will acquire a defenseman if all of his other trade lines where he was a contender hold, hold steady. Did you, uh, Low Tide, did you watch the game last night versus the Coyotes? Crosby turned him inside out. That said, I get what you're saying, but also I think we need to establish what the baseline is. Being an NHL player is one thing. Being a player on top team, eight team, is what the bar should be right now in this window. Well, you've got time. You know, uh, one of the things that you could do is you could showcase a player. Like, let's say you're going to trade Philip Broberg. You can showcase him in the minor leagues, and that's great. But at some point in time, you're probably going to need to bring him up, showcase him, and then trade him. That's what Sam Pollock did. I saw it. You know, I watched it a lot. You know, they, they, they would drive you nuts with their deadline deals when they weren't called that then or, or didn't always happen. But the Mahalich one is an example. Think about Mickey Redmond, a future 50 goal scorer. Why? Cause they could. And they wanted to have a, a big veteran Frank Mahalich winger. If Frank Mahalich were available right now and it cost you, Holloway and Broberg in the first, I would say that's a great deal. I'm not saying just play the kids to play the kids. I'm saying because you need them, either by trade or you might need them when injuries hit. Randy says, I've watched Holloway in the NHL. He's shown me nothing to get excited about. I think his offense is not as hoped, but I think he can play. Is he is he better than Warren Fogle? No. Will he be better than Warren Fogle? I think the orders are hoping so. But, you know, Warren Fogle's an NHL player. He does some really good things. Gagne, Maroon, Goodbranson are much too slow for the NHL. They'll never make it. That's my point, G. Is every, people say this like it's, like, this is the word from me. It, you know, guys who are slow still play in the National Hockey League. Patrick Maroon has learned how to play in the NHL without being swift of foot. It's like Declan and I. Sure, we're not the brightest bulbs, but we've learned how to work on radio. Did you uh, did you ask for a copy of uh, the uh, Blue Oyster Cult song that SNL did? I didn't. Did someone send us a video? Yeah, uh, Daniel did. Daniel oh, by the Lake. That so. is incredible. That is one of the best. That actually might be the best skit of all time on SNL. Mm. I got a fever. I'm just trying to think of my favorite SNL skit. I'd have to, I'd, I'd need a long time. I'll tell you, there was one time when Eddie Murphy um, was going to the bank. <laughs> oh, I howled. Eddie Murphy was funny. Very, very funny man. 
It probably still is. You got a great haircut, by the way. Me? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you you look a little you you're you 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 have a very young face still. Yes. You'll grow out of that, don't worry. I kinda like it. I well know. no, you should hold on to it like grim death. Yeah, because it suits once you me well. hey, once you end up being scraggly boy, you know, <laughs> then it's just you know, that's your life from then on, you know. Yeah. No, I'm cleaned up over here for now, so I'll ride it with uh ride it as long as I can. That's that's the celebrity Jeopardy skits were the best. They're very good. They are very good. Um, a, a weekend update's always been really good, and it's really good now, or at least the last night. I haven't seen it maybe in a year, a little more than that. If you were the GM, Woodcroft and Manson would still be here. Okay. I don't... I think people throw things at the, at you and they, you know, it's like a, an insult, but I don't really like, I think that the orders would be, I don't know if they'll be where they are now, but the orders would be in a better spot if Woodcroft had stayed than they were earlier in the year. Doesn't mean they'd have the same record. Because I do think the coach, the new coach, Knobloch has really helped the penalty kill and he runs th- four lines and three pairings. And there are some things that he put together, the McDavid, Hyman, and Nuge line. I believe he did. Yeah, I'm sure he did. So there's some good things that he did. I'm just not, you know, I think Woodcroft is a fine coach too. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a damnation that you think it is when you text it to me. I have to agree, Blue Oyster cult skit is right up there. This is from J-Mac. Also have to love Mrs. Robinson's Neighborhood. The one where Eddie Murphy experiences life in whiteface and, of course, every celebrity Jeopardy ever from J-Mac. That's the one where he goes to the bank. And it's just, it's like, you can't breathe laughter. So good. Have we heard anything on a Perry signing? I'd love from Gord Oil. I, I, don't, I, I don't think we're going to hear about anything about that, to be honest with you. I don't think Corey Perry's going to sign anywhere do we have any idea about what, like, have people had a consensus on the, the, the survey you sent out there? Yeah, I can reveal the re- results so far if you would like. Sure, if you could. All right. So, so far we have 343 votes. Mm-hmm. The question was, who is Connor Bedard's most realistic ceiling slash comparison? The options were McDavid, Crosby, Patty Kane, and Ovi. Coming in last at 4.1% so far is McDavid. Coming yeah, in second last... At 5% is Ovi. Mm-hmm. Coming in second place with 13.1% is Sidney Crosby. And if you're a math guy, you know the overwhelming majority with 77.8% is Patty Kane. Yeah. I like, um, I, I mentioned Bob and Marcel Dion. I think that's a good comp, although Dion was very stocky. Uh, I don't know if this young man will be as stocky. Um and then the other one is is what McCurdy said about Mike Bossy. The release really is Bossy esque, Bossy like, Bossy boots. Do you ever call people Bossy boots, or is that an old timey phrase? No, I don't call. I don't think so. Maybe a little bit, like when I was a kid, like the teacher would say, "Stop being a Bossy boots" or something like that. But no, it's not. It's it's been worked out of my vocabulary. Oh, you know, another one that, that Eddie Murphy did was um, The Point is Moot. It was a, I think it was a game show. 
And he, somebody would make a point. He goes, the point is moot. It's very funny. The original cast was was brilliant. Dan Aykroyd did this thing once where he was, uh, who's the lady who does the cooking show? Martha Stewart? No, previous to that, she was like an English lady. Oh, previous, oh, uh, Julia Child. Julia Child. So he's Julia Child and he cuts himself and he's bleeding. Oh, this is good. Oh, it's very good. Oh, learn first aid. And so bleeding every, everywhere. It was so gross and so funny. And that would have been in the first couple of years of, of SNL. Dan Aykroyd is underrated. Very funny guy. Okay. We'll take a break. Uh, on the way, we're going to read some more of your texts. We're going to talk a little bit about what happens when Dylan Holloway comes back. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. 139, this is the Lowdown on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get $4,000 in Christmas cash. I've cut the dickens out of my finger. That's what... Dan Aykroyd said as Julia Child. Some of, they're sending in some great stuff uh, from SNL. Much of the, you probably don't know, Declan. It was way before your time. Yeah, I was never a huge SNL guy. Obviously, I think it, it had its biggest, it, it had its most popularity before my time. I've seen skits of the classic, like I've seen John Belushi, Chris Farley, Eddie Murphy, all that good stuff, but it was never something I really sat down and watched or got into. Yeah, there was, there, it was hit and miss too. There was a lot of, I remember, Early on, there'd be like there'd be they had a three mile island one that went on way too long, and then they'd go cheese boogie, cheese boogie, cheese boogie. There was a takeoff of some Chicago hamburger joint, which was funny. It was it was hit and miss, and then Chevy Chase on the weekend update was very funny. I like the bossy comparable. I think people forget that pure offense till McDavid. It was ninety nine, sixty six, then bossy. It's just his career got cut short from Team Dean. He had back problems, and. The Oilers won the Stanley Cup in 90, 84, and that team had played so much hockey because they won four Stanleys in a row, and they won every series in the postseason, but it still adds up, right, when you're playing you know, 20 extra games every year for four years and then a fifth year. Matt Foley by Chris Farley, that's probably my favorite from Team Team. You're going to get out there, and you're going to find... <laughs> I live in a van... Down by the river. That was very good. If 55 were available today, would not crack this lineup. Replacing Hamlin would not be a good move from original six. Well, we don't know that. We don't know if he wouldn't crack the lineup. I mean, I think setting him down is fine. And there will be injuries, of course. But one of the things I noticed last night, and I would bring up to you, is foot speed. Chicago is one of the faster teams we've seen. They're young and fast. And the Oilers at times did have some trouble with it. Last night, John Shannon compared Bedard to Marcel Dion. A little small, but still strong. I thought it was Bob who did that. I'm almost sure Bob did. Bob talked about him being kind of stocky. I think I've got that right. Dan Aykroyd selling unsafe children's toys was always always great. He did uh, point counterpoint or whatever it was with uh, Jane Curtin. And he said, Jane, you ignorant. I can't say the word on the radio. It's not appropriate. I think it's one of the words you can say. I just choose not to. It rhymes with smut. Ty, do you think Knobloch will be here for the next five plus years? Is coaching carousel finally over? I don't think so. 
I think we have an impatient owner. Uh, we have a team that has a lot of guys who need to be signed. If they're not signed, you might see a, a coach coming in who's good with young players and developing players. Right now, they're just hell-bent for leather to win the Stanley, and I get it, and I approve of it. Belushi's Samurai skits were classic. Gilda Radner was brilliant in that show. She was. She was Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, and she was just funny. She was very fine. I'm so sorry that she died so early. If you were the GM, I'd still love you, Mr. Mitchell. Oh, that's from somebody who didn't give their name. <laughs> and why would you? You don't want that out there. Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor interview skit. Could not do that skit nowadays, but genius. There's a lot of things. Like all of the family could not be filmed today. It just wouldn't make it. There'd be so many edits, and it'd be like three minutes long. SCTV was great. So great that SNL had to take our best talent. I love the Schmengi brothers. I love the... And they were really brilliant. They just were. John Candy was so funny. So funny. And and I grew, I think I told you this, but I grew up Jehovah's Witness. And um, John Candy went to the doctor... And it was a female doctor. And there's two things, and it was behind a curtain, but you could hear the voices. There's two things that really cracked me up. One was he heard this outrageous thing about a body that that the doctor said, where did you read that? And he said, the watchtower. And when you were a kid, Jehovah's Witness kid, any 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 reference in mass media or social media or anything that involved your particular way of life was a big deal. And so that was huge. And then she said, and John Candy was, had great girth. Um, and she said, okay, take off your clothes and turn around and face me. And he said, I am. <laughs> John Candy was so funny. He was so funny. That's another guy. I remember where I was, where I was standing when I found out he died. And it was in the old building that I just left a few months ago. And I was talking to my friend Monica and... Is really sad. It just instantly you just feel crestfallen because John. I met John Candy. Not that that has anything to do with that. I loved him no matter what, but I loved his movies. I loved Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, the the one where he's a detective. Who's what the hell's the name of that detective? I can't remember now. Harry Crumb. That's it. Great. I, I loved him so much. Any thoughts on Lansky talking about Jack and Louie every game? From Ben. Well, I, I think I've said it before. I think w- the reason we have Lansky on is because he gives his opinion. And his opinion is his opinion. I mean, I give my opinion when I when I choose to. I've been critical of some of the, the broadcasts that we have in this town. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna follow Lansky and say, Oh yeah, he's right. I, I I just think that that's his opinion, and that's why we have him on, and we love him for it. But I will say this, that that when you had Drew Remenda on the broadcasts, you didn't like him. You, you, you wanted somebody 
who was more supportive of the team. And Oiler fans watch so closely that they hear everything and they notice. And if you listen to me every day, I'm sure there's things that I say that irritate you because I say them too often. It's a thing in your brain. And great broadcasters don't do it, like Declan. But those of us who are trying to be great sometimes end up falling on crutch words. It's a work in progress. Chin up. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your support. Tide, why is it an impatient owner and not an impatient CEO? What makes you think firing Woody was Daryl Cates? I'm not. I'm, I'm saying that you have an impatient owner and now I think the the CEO is making calls, and that's why more stuff is firing, because I think Ken Holland does slow play things, and I think it irritated Daryl Cates a year ago. I said it a year ago. when Before Christmas, they needed some help. They had all kinds of injuries of the, among the forwards, and they didn't do anything. And I think that that was the, the die was cast from then on. And since then, you know, Ken Holland did not get an extension. That's a tell. They hired a CEO in the summer. That's a huge damn tell. When you make that kind of move in August, the owner is telling you something. I introduced my 11-year-old to The Great Outdoors last year. I've never seen a kid laugh any harder to that movie. Great movie. That's from Team Dean. It was a, The original cast was great. One of the things that always kills me is people say they're called the not ready for time, primetime players, but it wasn't that they didn't think they were ready. It was that they thought they were too good. It, it, it was it was a shot at television, not a humble approach to their own abilities, and they were brilliant. I don't think Chevy Chase lasted three years on that show, and he was gone to the movies. Tide, you don't repeat yourself. You're absolutely fabulous. Cheers from Eddie Cheddar. Declan and I told a story yesterday about you weren't listening, but absolutely fabulous was included in that. Mm. I was probably out of the room or something. No, you were typing away. <laughs> you know, right. Dear sweetheart, I'm with low tide until two. It's the most boring thing in the world. The only thing that keeps me going is knowing that I'll be with you soon. Signed, Declan. Must have CC'd you on those by accident, because that's a that's a pretty good recap. Dear boss, I can't take any more of Low Tide. Please do something. Signed, Declan. The John Candy and Joe Flaherty doing the Guy Lafleur and Daryl Sittler commercial was funny. Remember that? I'm not going to be putting down... I. I I, if you listen to the show long enough, you know that I'm not going to be critical of, of other broadcasters. And because I just, I, I, it is a really hard job to do play by play or color or any of those things. And I do not have the, the, the expertise to weigh in on, on what they do. If you're asking me about another fellow broadcaster who does a, a radio talk show, then I can chime in. Boy, did I leave myself open on that? Am I crazy for having reservations about Cody Cece in the top four come playoff time? I think he's playing pretty well now. The th- problem with Cece a year ago, he wasn't 100%. I remember people saying he had a core issue. 
Why don't we just say what it is? LT, my mom was an extra on SCTV. She loved John. Always sat with my mom on the bus to location. Lots of stories, but he was a very humble, kind man. I, I met him with, with my wife. I met him uh, at Commonwealth. They were The Argonauts were in town, Toronto Argonauts. And we talked about our favorite scene was dance this mess around in planes, trains, and automobiles. And he talked about it. It took all day to record, or all night, I guess, to record it. And they were like, okay. One last try, and if it doesn't work, we're not. We're just going to do something else. This scene is taking too much time, and they got it right. Where he is smoking a cigarette, and and he's playing the piano, which is the dashboard, and it took forever. And then he finally got. He got. Remember, he got his coat stuck, and that car went all over Hellsaf Acre. It was funny. Martin Short doing synchronized swimming. I'm not really a strong swimmer. I remember when he did the the Pat Sajak segment where he was, what's it, was it Ed Grimley? That was when he leapt from the wall to the chair, and Lorne Michaels said it was the most fantastic example of physical humor he'd ever seen on SNL. It was brilliant. Jeffy Chase lasted about 13 months on SNL, and then he went right to the movies. I don't know what that is. Bobby Bittman character on SCTV was hilarious. Who was the, um, the it was Earl Cannonbear, and then who was the, remember when they used to do the news, and it would be, uh, troops have now entered, you know, whatever, Cambodia or whatever, and, and it was like hard-hitting news. Uh, the garbage strike continues, and, blah, and then they go to the other guy, and he'd be, uh, Molly Skipson, uh, missed the bus to school this morning, but a nice stranger drove her to school. And here's why that's a bad idea, kids. That was a funny, funny part of SCTV. Floyd Robertson, there you go. <laughs> uh, I love that we got that when in like maybe five seconds. Floyd Robertson and Earl Cannonbear. And it was oh, the little local story that he would, and then he'd get mad. I <laughs> I, I've always felt that that was a takeoff on, I don't know if you remember Tony Kubek and Don Chevrier, but Fergie Oliver used to be on that broadcast. And Fergie Oliver would get mad because Kubek would mock him a little bit. And, and Oliver was like, he was the guy who would pick, like, I don't think, I don't think Kubek would have done it unless Fergie Oliver reacted the way he did. And I always thought that might have been the genesis of that bit on SCTV. All right. So I think we've covered everything. We didn't mention the Bible today, but we did mention uh, Joe, Joe Biden's son. So we're doing good. We're, we're moving the show along. We should be fired any time now. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy yourself. Jason Greger is on the way to talk only sports because we love him. Enjoy your day. Thanks so much for tuning in. And it's time for a sports update.